We all do it. We scroll through our feeds, seeing people who have been in and out of our lives. We see their causes, beliefs, and sometimes even a moral compass, show-offs. I don't know about you, but I'm interested in the story behind the pictures. I think it's time to have a conversation. My guest this week is a mom, girlfriend, friend, daughter, and currently the director of operations at Leafline Labs in Cottage Grove, Minnesota. We went to high school together, and now years later, social media and our love for a little green plant brought us back together again. Thank you so much for being here, Megan. Thank you. Ah, it's been Super so excited long. to talk to you about all kinds of things, I'm sure. Yeah, no, I'm excited too. Thank you so much for coming on and, and being open to doing Absolutely. I'm thankful for social media in that sense. And um, also- I know, people. right? <laughs> yeah, and I- can't believe of all things that reconnected us is cannabis and social media. So very thankful. Right. And I'm glad I, I reached out that day because I saw, you know, you don't always see people in in cannabis speaking uh, so openly about it. And it's something that I'm trying to be better at mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, myself. And so it was exciting to see you you doing that. Um, so openly so I was like I gotta reach out it's not like me I'm pretty private but um, sometimes some things just speak to me and I felt like I needed to reach out to you so oh that's awesome well, I'm so glad that you yeah. did so so glad that you did I see a yeah. few more people like from back in the day trickling in and it's always very exciting <laughs> yeah yep who is Megan now Oh my gosh, um, much different than I was when you knew me back in high school. Yeah. Um, I guess different from then, I I would say, um, I mean, back then I was pretty shy and um, I, I didn't really stick up much for myself. I kind of just followed the crowd a lot. Okay. Um, I definitely don't do that anymore. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I definitely advocate for myself much more. Um, and oh gosh, I it's one of the things. It's like an interview question when they're like, "Tell me about yourself," oh, and, no, you're well, like, and, then, <laughs> and, and then, and then you're like, and then you're like, and then you're like, and then you're like, "Oh wow, I'm not interesting at all." What am I supposed no. to say? <laughs> attributed that change though from being a person that maybe didn't stand up for themselves you know back then to now because I think yeah um you know I felt I felt a lot of pressure to fit in as I'm sure I mean everybody in middle school high school feels like that and um even though I'm not close uh, with the people that I was friends with then they're all you know you stay connected through social media and you see everything on Facebook and Instagram and everything and they are they were great friends then and they seem all to be like wonderful great people now um, it was just then you know I I wanted everybody to like me and now I just really don't care. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I've accepted that if somebody doesn't like me, that it's, it's really okay because 
I'm not for everybody and everybody is not for me. So I don't feel so much pressure to impress people or, uh, you know, be, be everybody's cup of tea, I guess. Yeah, no, 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 no one wants that. No one wants that. <laughs> do you think that started in college or do you think that started like when you became mom or what do you think? Um, yeah, probably in college. Um, I just, I started to kind of figure out a little bit more of what I like to do and what my interests were, um, you know, getting to choose your friends a little bit more because there's just so many more people around. Um, and, uh, and, you know, I still, I still cared very much, um, about what people thought of me it's probably not been until I really got into my 30s that I I really started to I guess you could say give give zero fucks about (laughs) about if people like me or not but um it was yeah it was like a slow progression from probably my early 20s to now that I just kind of accepted me for who I am I think the 30s are really good about that and I'm loving oh it. my gosh yeah <laughs> I think the 30s so are much and then I think 40s can only get better so I'm excited you know like it's such a good time yeah my mom always says that her 40s were were fantastic and I the closer I get to that age I can see why she says that but but you know like when I was a teenager, I'm like, oh my gosh, that's so old. <laughs> right? Oh, I know. Like, you and know, now it doesn't like, seem old at all. By like 21, and like all the silly things you like yeah. say as a kid. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I don't exactly. Feel old at all, and I don't think like my mom. You know, she doesn't feel old now. I think it's just like your interpretation of everything, right? Yeah. Exactly. Oh my goodness. So what um, what is Leafline Lab? Talk to me about what you're doing now. Okay. Yeah. So I was introduced to Leafline uh, just under three years ago by an acquaintance. Um, She had worked there. And so Leafline is one of the two medical cannabis companies in Minnesota. Minnesota is uh, a medical only state. So, um, and then when they decided to pass the program through, they decided on having only two manufacturers. So we find labs is one of them and we are allowed to have one manufacturing facility. Uh, that's where I work out of. So where we grow all of the plants, where the plants are uh, extracted into the oil and all of our products are oil-based. And then we have four care centers over the state. So. Um, there's eight total. We have four, and the other the other company has four as well. So, okay. yes, that that is Leafline Labs, kind of I guess in a quick nutshell. Yeah. But is it like strain specific there? I guess like I'm just so this side of the business or the industry, I have not. Yeah, and medical. What it like specifically? What all they do or yeah so I mean our strains um we we don't specify strains 
mainly because um, strains are, it's a tricky subject because as I was reading in the book that you had recommended to me while I was on vacation, um, one of the biggest issues with strains is that um, there's been so much uh, crossbreeding with plants that, you know, you, you could be buying something that says it's, you know, OG Kush or whatever, and it may really, it may present itself as that and kind of look like it and smell like it, but it could be a totally different strain because it's just, you have to get things genetically tested to really know. Um, we, we do hybrids. Um, so it's, we can't exactly say exactly what strain it is. And it is proprietary information, I guess you could say. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, so we we have uh, two two different lots that have different terpene profiles for our high THC products, um, and then we have a 50-50 uh, THC to CBD, and then we have a, a CBD dominant strain as well. What is it like working in that type of environment? Um, oh my gosh, it's, it's, can be really intense some days, um, but also really re relaxed some days. I mean, my work environment is very casual, which is, is nice. Um, everybody is, is pretty laid back just because that's kind of the industry we're in, but because we are medical, we have, a a pretty strong sense of professionalism. So, um, and in in our state, if you can't run out of product. So that's one of the things that, you know, in, in a normal, uh, you know, if you were in Colorado and you were to have a certain strain of something and it sells out, it's like, oh, it's so popular. It, it, it's sold out. That's wonderful. Well, we can't do that. Um, or we're, we're kind of penalized by the state. So it, it's, a, <laughs> and, and they're, and they are really great to us, but there's specific rules that they set forth at the beginning of the program. And it can be really difficult sometimes. Our demand has uh, doubled in the past year and growing that many plants is, it's a, it's a big task. So, um, and we have a lot of obstacles in our way. Um, you know, we, we don't sell flowers, so everything has to be extracted. It's more time. And then all of our products are tested by a third party lab. So um, it's even extracted, it's, you know, we don't get data back for probably a good week before we can put product out to the public. So sometimes it gets to be a little stressful when we're, uh, yeah. <laughs> when we, when people are buying up product super fast and we're like, okay, got to turn it around really quick. What was, was it um, state mandated that they didn't sell flour or was that just something that Leafline decided to do? 
Um, it is a state mandate that okay. we are an oil only state. Okay. Yeah. I know there are the states that that are medical only and do flower. I believe Illinois and I, I think Florida also does flower too. So, um, I know there are other states that that do flower. I think Michigan as well. Uh, but yes, we are oil only. It um, it's actually pretty nice. I think the oil um, it's it uh it gives a little bit more of a medical feel to it, I guess. Yeah. As opposed to flower. But um, I mean, obviously our patients would love if we could have flower and edibles and stuff like that, but it's just, we're not quite there yet. Yeah. Are they anticipating that or do you even know at this point? Um, with the change in governor who has pretty publicly said that he is for uh, adult use. Mm -hmm. uh, it sounds like it could be within the next couple of years. Um, that's that's kind of what we're thinking and anticipating and planning for. Okay. I I love I'd love to see it go adult use. Um, I I don't see why it shouldn't be, but. Uh, I guess it'll, it kind of is up to the government here. So we'll have to wait and see. <laughs> I wish it wouldn't go state to state. I wish it just was or wasn't. You know what I mean? Yeah. Stand on it, but oh, goodness. That's crazy. We have, we have a lot of people in, um, you know, in the government here in Minnesota that are very for it. It just has to be enough people. So. Right. Yeah. Numbers. And Mm -hmm. Wow. What, um, as director of operations, I guess, what, what do you do on like a daily basis? Um, so one of the biggest things that I am in charge of, so uh, our facility is in Cottage Grove, Minnesota. Um, we have a 42,000 square foot manufacturing facility and it's where all of our exec offices are as well. Um, so I'm in charge of that building. Um, I need, <laughs> I have to make sure. <laughs> yeah, sometimes I try not to think about it too much. Otherwise, it's very overwhelming. Uh, but so I guess just the day to day operations there. Um, I am in charge of IT. So I need to make sure all of our security is is working. We're very heavily secured in all of our care centers uh, and our cottage grow facility, obviously. So we have 24-7 security uh, watching all the buildings. Um, we have cameras everywhere um, and we it is a state mandate too that uh, we have to be able to record all of that 24-7. So I need to make sure that's always working. Um, Oh and then I, I guess the probably the biggest, <laughs> the biggest thing that I need to, that I'm in charge of uh, is our production department. So once the, uh, once the cannabis is turned into oil and it's been tested at the lab, uh, once we get it back, uh, I'm in charge of making sure that it's made into all of the products and that it is shipped 
are transported to each one of our care centers uh, so that they are always stocked with everything that we carry. And, uh, you know, the list of, of daily things is kind oh, of never ending, but, you know, things are always coming up. So uh, it's, but that's kind of my biggest thing on my plate is always making sure that there's product in our care centers for the patients. Yeah. What is your relationship like with the care centers? Is it like a daily contact type of thing or patients? Um, do patients come to do the lab at all? They, they don't. Um, we, we actually cannot sell out of our manufacturing facility. So patients uh, don't, don't ever come to our, our manufacturing facility. So we have four uh, care centers and they are distributed by congressional district is how they decided to do it. So we have one in uh, right in St. Paul uh, in Egan, so a little bit farther south, but still in the metro up in St. Cloud and then one way up in Hibbing. Um, as you can imagine up in Hibbing, so about three and a half hours north, there's not as big of a patient population. So I don't have quite as much contact with them just because they don't need product quite as often. So I usually see them once a week, once every couple of weeks, but I'm in contact with everybody. I mean, we're constantly texting and emailing and they're letting me know what they're anticipating for the next few days, that kind of thing. So. We're always in contact with each other. Yeah. They have my cell phone. <laughs> they have my cell phone number, and nobody ever hesitates to, right. to oh, reach sure. out. So, wow, I didn't yeah. know that it was that type of a role. Well, good for you. That's so impressive. <laughs> it was, uh, it was quite a learning curve because I had been in the care centers for a couple of years before I changed over to this position, and okay, I it, didn't realize that it was a yeah, I actually, I was kind of in a job where I was, I was doing accounting for a company, fantastic company, loved the people I worked with, but I was sitting at a desk for eight hours a day and it was driving me totally insane. I was, I wasn't talking to anybody all day and it was just, I was like, I can't do this anymore. My I'm I'm going crazy. So uh, when when I said before I had met this woman, an acquaintance, and she was talking about Leafline and how great it was, and I was like, it was another one of those times where it was just like my gut was telling me that I needed to do something about it. And so I found her on Facebook like a couple days later and messaged her and I was like you sounded so passionate about this job it sounds amazing if you ever have an opening I would love for you to consider and she was like actually we're looking for this right now so I think I was yeah I think I was I quit the other place like a couple weeks later and like a so a month after I sent her that message I started and I actually started working at the front desk as a patient care coordinator and being face-to-face -face with patients. And so I've, I've gotten to experience all sides of, of the company. 
and which has been extremely beneficial I feel like uh, for me just knowing you know what everyone in the company has had to do and what they deal with on a daily basis because it's not it's not always easy Um, and I I also am a patient in the program as well so (laughs) I have um, the perspective coming from quite a few angles, which is, uh, which has, I think helped me just be a better leader, a better, um, person for the company. Oh yeah. You're super vested in it. That's really neat. I didn't realize that. But, yeah. um, what made you, I guess what made you want to work there and what makes you want to stay working there? Um, I think just the the positivity that I saw coming from this person. And then when I went in for my interview, it was super nerve wracking because I walked into this room and there was like five people sitting at this table. And I was kind of terrified <laughs> um, because that's a lot of people looking at you. Right. And but everybody was so nice, so welcoming, um, so interested in teaching anybody that wanted to know more about cannabis and the program. It was like everybody was so eager to to teach that I felt like I would be super comfortable. And just the prospects of a growing company. Um, I have worked for a couple startup companies, and even though it's really stressful, I think it's really rewarding to see a company grow, and I wanted to be a part of that, too. Um, That's probably one of the same reasons that I stay. (laughs) Um, I am super invested because I have seen how much it has changed people's lives. I mean, th- we just have countless patients where it's it's been life-changing for them for many, many different conditions. And although what I'm qualified for as a patient, um, you know, I have had migraines for, for years now, and they were getting progressively worse. Um, it wasn't still, like, completely debilitating to my life. But, and if I didn't have cannabis, I would still be able to, you know, cope with daily life, but it has made it so much better. Yeah. <laughs> um, and everyone that I work with, honestly, is so passionate about being there and about helping our patients and about putting out the most quality product for people that it it drives me to do better and to stay and I mean I honestly like going to work every day I mean obviously there's stressful times and and stuff like that but it's it's always super rewarding and I'm constantly reminded of of all the good things that come from it a great culture that's awesome yeah it's 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 I mean when people come in they're like oh, do you like working here? And I'm like, honestly, I don't even have to lie to you. I love working here. Yeah, yeah. that speaks for itself. That's awesome. Were you apprehensive mm-hmm. or nervous at all going in? 
to the cannabis industry and taking a role in that? Um, you know, I think I was too naive to be nervous okay. about it. Um, first, um, at first, and and just because I was probably in a role where I didn't, you know, I was I was face to face with patients and I was doing a lot and I was learning a lot, but I don't think that I really truly understood all the business behind the cannabis industry. Um, and especially now in the past couple of years with how much it's grown, uh, it doesn't make me nervous to be in the cannabis industry, but it, it can be scary. I mean, it can be scary sometimes um, just because uh, you know, I I don't ever think that we're gonna get shut down or anything crazy like that. But um, it's it's uh it's just so different, and not everyone is accepting of it. And um, it's it's like that dreaded question. Um, I had a play date with uh, one of my one of my my younger son wanted to have a sleepover and the mom obviously wanted to meet me before her her child slept over at her house and so we did a play date and that question of oh what do you do came up and I'm like it's it because you don't know if somebody is going to judge you and that's that's been really tricky for me it's tricky because I don't I don't want it to affect my kids because of what I do yeah that's that's hard because that's a hard place to navigate I mean I struggle with that too still yeah and 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 of and she you know the both of the parents are like oh wow that's so interesting that's really cool and it you know I was like like, oh okay (laughs) yeah sigh of relief but um and and that's kind of you know it's becoming more and more of that like oh wow that's really interesting how did you get into that or um you know sometimes you get like the goofy comments like oh do you guys just get high all day and it's like well no we (laughs) we have to run a business no we don't get high all day um uh but we were at the Minnesota State Fair in the CARE 11 uh, health uh, building this past summer for all 12 days of the fair. And I think I worked, (laughs) I think I worked four of the days. And there were some very uh, strongly, they had some very strong opinions of why we were terrible people. (laughs) And that's, it's just, even though most of the comments were so wonderful and people just wanting to know more, you, you always, yeah, those, those comments always kind of stick with you, which, but you just brush them off, I guess, try to laugh about it. That's pretty amazing that you guys had a slap there for 12 days. That's, that's amazing. It is, and they um, they ha- they're inviting us back for this summer too. So I think that you know they're seeing value in in what we're doing, and that people are very genuinely interested in 
and talking with us because we are like busy the whole time yeah oh I bet like you say either way people are just curious you know they don't I don't think a lot of people know what their opinion is other than you know just what they've heard their yeah and we you know ever since CBD has become so mainstream uh it was this past summer it was like totally different than the year before because we had you know we had tons of people asking about CBD and you know is is that what you carry is that what you make um how can I get it how can I get in the program so it was it's at least a nice jumping off point now for for talking to people about it does Leafline um do like community like outreach at all or like classes or things like that um we we haven't done classes uh one of the people that i oversee uh her name is jenna she does all of our social media and marketing and she's absolutely fantastic at her job she runs um all of our social media and she does a really great job of doing a lot of informative stuff through our social media um we have done a lot of outreach in the past um and it wasn't super successful um so we kind of took a little step back from it for a little bit but we have been asked to do a lot more recently which has been really nice um like speaking at conferences um so we're seeing a lot more doctors become open to the idea of becoming certifying providers and that that was kind of a big obstacle for us at the beginning of the program so that's been refreshing <laughs> yeah when you say the program walk me through what all that consists of okay so the program it it sounds like a lot of work but i've done the actual process and it's not as bad as it sounds um but it is pretty ex extensive compared to other states so if you want to be in the program you have to follow or fall under one of the 13 qualifying conditions um some of them are like cancer, intractable pain. Intractable pain is our biggest one. Um, it, um, so many different things fall under it. Um, like epilepsy. Okay. Yeah, like chronic pain. So okay. people that suffer from um, arthritis or chronic back pain because of car accidents or work accidents, that kind of thing, um, migraines. I mean, the list is pretty lengthy yeah. <laughs> and it is at the doctor's, the certifying doctor's discretion, um, especially for that one. Um, the newest one that just came on this past year was autism and sleep apnea. Oh. So we've seen quite our, our, our pediatric clientele has increased quite a bit since autism went into effect. Uh, so if someone feels like they fall under one of those qualifying conditions, we tell people to talk to their primary doctor first. Um, any doctor, um, so any MD, 
nurse practitioner uh, or physician's assistant in Minnesota can, they can certify. Uh, there are some groups that don't allow their doctors to do it. Um, they've just kind of taken a stance that they don't want their doctors to certify for medical cannabis. Uh, so some of them still choose to, um, <laughs> kind of under the radar, but um, there are there are doctors also in Minnesota that advertise that they that they uh, will certify for medical cannabis as long as you have something on your medical record that shows you have the, something that qualifies you. Okay. So once you go, so once you find a doctor, have a doctor that's willing to certify you. I don't feel like that's too unrealistic. Um, you know it. It was, it's probably the biggest hurdle that people face in getting certified because if they're, I think people feel really lost if they can't, if their primary doctor won't do it because they're like, well, now I, like, now what am I supposed to do? And when you go to one of those doctors that advertises it, obviously they're, they're charging you a fee. And yeah. typically it's like around 200 to $250 and not all of these people that are, you know, wanting to get on the program have that kind of money to do that it can be really frustrating no, for people. No, I can see that. I guess I just, I, think and, I was looking at it um, from the perspective of like, okay, I've been in chronic pain. I've been fighting something. Mm -hmm. None of this stuff's working. I can have my files and take it, you know, that says, yes, I have. Yeah. And, yeah. and that's what we, yeah. you know, we recommend people, if you're really just wanting to get in, it's worth it to just go to one of those doctors. They're very nice. They're very professional. It's not shady at all. Um, and they, they're there to help you just get through this process. So you don't have to sit there and try and find a doctor. Um, so once somebody finds that certifying doctor and they'll approve them, this certifying doctor goes into the state um, website registry and, and enters all this person's information. Okay. That person will get an email and then they have to continue the rest of the registration themselves and pay a fee to the state. So every year, a person has to pay $200 registration fee to be part of the program. Um, if they do have a qualifying medical um, medical insurance, so obviously insurance, um, regular, typical, like health partners, Blue Cross, Blue Shield, all the big ones, they don't cover anything, but if people are on some kind of medical assistance and they have documented proof of that, they do get a reduced registration of $50, which is really nice for a lot of people. Um, and then once they have all of that information into the state, the state reviews everything and approves them. It can take up to 30 days. That's probably the most frustrating part for people mm -hmm. is that they've gotten all of their stuff in and they're just waiting. Um, as you can imagine, the state is government. Yeah, <laughs> they're yeah they're and they're inundated with however many of these come in every day. And the, I, 
I know that they're trying to do a million different things in the program and they just don't have enough people. So it, it can be frustrating for people to have to wait, but once they're approved, they can usually get into one of our care centers within a few days to a week. Um, and they come down, we hire, um, well, we have to <laughs> um, hire licensed pharmacists. Okay. And so they meet with a pharmacist. They talk about their condition, uh, their goals, and they come up with a plan of a uh, medication plan. So okay. they can, they come into the care center and they can leave with medication that same day. So it can, you know, it can take probably up to like four to six weeks at the most, but typically it doesn't take that long. It's, that's probably the hardest part for people is that they get really excited because they're finally like ready to do it. And then it takes a while. So it can be a little frustrating. Yeah. It's taking me back to the very first episode of this podcast that I did with, with, Jesse, um, mm-hmm. yeah, but so expensive and time and yeah, <laughs> yep. It's just so sad because opioids, you know, white candy. <laughs> Here you go. I know, I know, and that's one of the you know people that come in with some of those intractable pain patients that come in and they're like, they're still in so much pain unmanageable pain and they're already taking so many pills and you just feel for them so much because you can see that this is a lot of these people it's like their last resort they've tried everything and they're just desperate for some kind of normalcy in their life back so you know we (laughs) we are like trying as, as hard as we can to make sure that these people can have, have some kind of life back because so many of them come just on the list of medications I've seen. It's just insane. Was that, um, was that kind of what you experienced when you worked at the care center? Like talk to me about your time in that room. Um, you know, the time at the care center and I, and I do, I miss working in care centers um, all the time because I don't really get any patient interaction anymore. Um, I think it gave me such a different perspective on people that um, just have such debilitating diseases and things that have happened to them in their life uh that I just never really you know nothing like that has ever happened to me and so many of these people were just living their normal life and you know they got in a car accident or an accident at work or all of a sudden this degenerative disease came out of nowhere and completely changed their life and it made me really not take my health um so for granted anymore and it made me feel much more compassionate for people in those positions because they don't want that they don't want this either and 
yeah, I mean, it, it made, it definitely made me be very vocal, especially at first when I was in the care centers about anybody that I saw that was like, oh, like I have such bad back pain. I'm like, well, have you heard of medical cannabis? Because, <laughs> and it made me super, I, I saw it like changing people. I mean, there, you know, there's some people that they go home and they take their first and second dose of their medication and it's like night and day for them. And some people it takes longer, but you know, to get the right dosage and the right um, combination of medications. But, you know, 90% of the people we see, it helps, it tremendously helps them. So it, it was, it's, it's still, um, you know, I make sure I always get some good stories from the people in the care centers about, um, about new patients, because I still like to keep that that perspective going even though I'm not there all the time anymore yeah that's what I was gonna ask I wanted to know if you were to like look back on your time was there like a specific day or like patient that when you think back of that time you think of that situation oh there's um you know there's there's this one little girl that stands out to me so much um and there's there's tons of patients that come to mind, but she, when she started coming, she probably wasn't quite two years old yet, but she was having, oh gosh, a hundred seizures a day. And the first time I met her and her mom, um, you know, her mom carried her in and she was just kind of limp and lifeless and she didn't have any muscle tone and she had to wear a helmet because she had no muscle tone in her neck so she couldn't really hold her head up and I was just like oh my gosh this is heartbreaking and I would say probably a year later you know it took a little while to get her medication dosage right and you know get everything um, going in the right direction but probably about a year later uh, she came in and the little girl walked in and was, um, you know, not pu not putting together like full sentences, but she was like babbling on and making eye contact. And it was like, oh my God, like, is that the same kid? <laughs> because it's, that's just incredible. I just, I like that every week, you know, on my daughter's therapy and stuff. And it just, yep. it, it breaks my heart, you know, and mm -hmm. straight yeah. the right conversation in the waiting room, you know, to like, to tell yeah. them about different things. And it's so hard. So sad. Yeah. So, I mean, there's, I mean, there's a hundred a hundred things, you know, different patients I could think of, can think of. A lot of our PTSD is one of our qualifying conditions and the change I've seen in some of those people who were terrified to even walk into our care center because they just couldn't be around people, period. Um, you know, coming in and a couple months later and joking around and, um, you know, telling us that they can sleep and they don't, you know, they're not terrified to leave their house anymore. I mean, that has to be 
Yeah. It's not physical change, but just like all of it. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's people, people saying like, oh, I thought, you know, I was excited that this was going to help me with this, but I didn't realize that it would help me sleep better and reduce my anxiety and help my depression. So it, it's very rewarding. <laughs> it's definitely the most rewarding job I've ever had. Yeah, that's really cool to hear. Really cool. And I love to like on um, Sleepline's um, website. You know, it says patience first, always, and hope is mm-hmm. all these really beautiful things that you can you can tell that they really truly see. And it's awesome to hear an employee, especially you know, with, with your position, speak so highly of the company too. You know, that that really speaks like again to the culture. Really mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and real, I mean, really, truly, I think sometimes when people aren't happy with us for whatever reason it might be, um, you know, because you're never going to have a hundred percent people be, um, (laughs) giving you glowing reviews and everything. So, and, and that can be really difficult because I think, I think it can be really hard for everyone that I that I work with because we all try not to take it personally, but we all put so much of our our heart and everything yeah. that we do is really for the patients and you know, there'll be comments on social media that will be like, Oh, patients first always, yeah, right. And I'm just like, Oh that really like kind of kills me a little bit because you know, I, I work hard and I know that all the people that I work with work so hard to make sure that we can help as many people as we can. And like, and I've, I've seen our care center director bend over backwards for people, you know, to, to try to get them what they need and make them happy. So that hurts sometimes, but yeah. <laughs> you can't make everybody sense. happy, I guess. Yeah. And in that sense, just picture yourself being a, a nurse or a caregiver in a urgency room you know what I mean like it's I, yeah oh exactly oh it's my gosh it's never right it's never yeah and yeah pain, yeah for them so again it goes back to that patient first always you do want to take care of them it sounds like it's at the core of core of what leaf line that about that's really cool. um I know so, yeah that's what we strive for every day but <laughs> yeah no I love that I um I remember we were messaging around the time when autism was introduced. Um, mm-hmm. Talk to me a little bit about what that experience was like getting getting to work with autism. Um, you know, I haven't been in the care centers a whole lot since autism came on. Um, but one of the things that we did to prepare um, all of our care centers and all the people working in the care centers. Um, one of our care centers is actually attached to a children's therapy center, okay. which was really amazing for us. Um, so we had all these great resources of people right next door to us um, that work with kids with autism on a daily basis. And 
so they came over and they did kind of like a seminar for everyone okay. on how to, um, you know, better equip ourselves with tools uh, to help having kids with autism in in our spaces because there is just you know there's a lot of sensory things and um so in each one of our care centers we made um kind of a a little special room uh that had adjustable lighting and and sensory toys and one you know it was the farthest room away from everything else so it could be quieter um so that was really helpful um, for us to be prepared because not everybody had ever, you know, I nannied for uh, a boy that had pretty severe autism. So it was something that I was used to and kind of comfortable with, but a lot of people had had no contact with um, children or adults with autism. Um, we have seen quite a few patients. I, I honestly couldn't tell you exactly like the percentage or numbers or anything, but um, I'm sure you hear this ever since so back and yeah, we um, one of the one of the boys that we have had that has just had tremendous success. He actually was qualified under a seizure disorder. So he was able to come on to the program much earlier than autism, but some of his behaviors from from having autism um, were the ones that were most negatively impacting him and his family. So he was self-harming to the point of fracturing his own skull. Um, he was giving himself black eyes. He was um, beating up his parents. He was having to be restrained for like a lot of hours a day because he was he was he was going to kill himself is pretty much what his parents had come to the conclusion that he he was he was going to kill himself because he was hurting himself so badly and they could only control it so much. So he got on the program and I would say within six months he was he had stopped self-harming completely. His seizures were down. Um, he was starting to try to communicate because he was completely nonverbal. Um, I think he's probably been on the program for a good two full years now and he's typing. So he communi can fully communicate with his family. Um, you know, he has off days, but his, I mean, his mom is very adamant about that cannabis saved his life that he would be dead if he had not started cannabis when he did. It's like, how can you like hear these things and then not be like open? Like, you know what I mean? Right, I right. And, and that's one of the things that I'm just like, if you could just see it, if people could just, and that's one of the big things that we do on social media is we, we put a lot of our patient stories out there because we want people to see that side of it and, how much it helps people um but it's it's hard when people don't see it with their own eyes yeah yeah 
No, you're 100% right on. Like, how do you? But also, <laughs> feminists still keep telling people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm not. I'm not quieting down anytime soon. <laughs> no. What was your um, experience like with cannabis before going to work at? Um. <laughs> well, um. I used cannabis in high school a little bit, and then uh, I stopped. And when I went to college, I I didn't really um, partake in it too much, like probably, honestly, like a handful of times. It was never really my thing. I, I always felt like not... I didn't feel, it didn't make me feel good when I would, would smoke. So I just kind of stayed away from it. Um, and then I started to get really, really high anxiety, probably, uh, in my mid, mid to late twenties. Um, I just kind of dealt with it and then probably just in, just since I have, started to be in the cannabis industry I started to kind of dabble into it a little bit again to because I heard so many people telling me it'll help with your anxiety you don't have to get high it doesn't you know you don't have to be like stoned sitting on the couch eating a box of cookies like it doesn't have to be like that and so I was like more open to it um so I really didn't have a lot of experience in with cannabis until I was kind of really thrown into it. <laughs> yeah. You remember the first time you tried it? Oh yeah, totally. Tell me about uh, it because I always it love to hear in, everybody. everybody. Oh yeah. <laughs> it was in ninth grade and somebody was having a party not far from my house. And my mom would be totally mortified to hear this. Um, <laughs> so I convinced my mom that she should let me and like, I don't know, like two or three of my friends sleep in a tent in the backyard because it was summer. And we walked to whatever party this was. And that was the first time I smoked. And I was like, this is amazing. <laughs> I want to do this all the time. And then I did kind of do it all the time for a while. <laughs> but yeah, I don't remember. I can't remember who it was with or like the super specifics of it. But I know it was somebody's party when I was in ninth grade and stayed out way too late and probably made bad decisions. <laughs> <laughs> Talk to me a little bit about the adult use bill that was introduced in Minnesota at the end of, I think it was end of January, like early February by Senator Scott Jensen and Melissa Brand. Um, oh gosh, you know, sometimes I don't keep up on things as as well as I should no, uh, being in the cannabis industry. Um I don't know a super lot about the bill. Um yeah. I know that it was introduced by um, a couple of the senators. They had actually uh, come out to LeafLine and because they wanted to understand a little bit more about what 
the program even was and what we were doing. So that was really nice um, to see that they were so interested. Um, and I don't know the specifics on what they're looking to do. I know it's going to be 21 plus, um, but I don't know how much detail they really have hashed out on it yet. Yeah, it's still um, yeah. And I know that a lot of states that have gone wreck, uh, one of the things that has been an issue is that they pass all this stuff and they're like, oh, great, it's, you know, it's adult use, but nobody's prepared for it. Um, you know, there's, there's not growers. And so this bill is passed, but there's not anything for anybody to buy. Um, so one of the things that I know that we kind of discussed was that we want to be prepared. Um, we want to make sure that when it goes wreck that we, you know, we have the the space and the capability to be able to keep up and and get give people the product that they want. So, um, I mean, if they pass if they passed it tomorrow, great. You know, we'll <laughs> yeah. we'll we'll try to do our best. But um, I mean, it's a lot of work to get that kind of production up and running. To be honest. I mean, it's, yeah. especially if you're wanting to give quality product. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What do you hope to see, like, for the future of cannabis in Minnesota? Um, I mean, I would like to see it become adult use. Um, I think there's always going to be room for for the medical side of it um i think that at leafline labs we will always have leafline labs be our medical side of cannabis because there definitely is a large population of people that really like the medical dosed out um kind of feel of what we do yeah. it would be nice for people to be able to go to into a dispensary and buy flour if they want to and buy edibles if they want to I mean I'm not gonna lie would I like to get some THC gummies yeah I would yeah. <laughs> um that would be nice um what I what I use is um you know it what I use at night has THC in it um and Cannabis oil, when it doesn't have any flavor, flavoring in it, which I don't particularly like the flavoring either, um, but it, it doesn't taste, it doesn't have a particularly lovely taste. So, um, and, and edibles in our state are seen as too recreational, so we can't have them. Um, but, I mean, I, I guess I would just like to see the whole the whole decriminalization of it because it's I just think it's so ridiculous that we have so many people being arrested for just something so stupid yeah. <laughs> honestly yeah. no, I, <laughs> it's just silly it just it's yeah beyond that like it can do so much good <laughs> like it's just right. so hard there's so many people that abuse it but if it was to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with alcohol 
know, right. Night and day. Exactly. And, and it's hard for me when people are so adamant about not, you know, decriminalizing it or making it legal or whatever, mm-hmm. when it's like, have you even read anything? Like, it, mm-hmm. it drives me crazy. I know. It's, and, and I, my stepdad is in law enforcement. And so it's been, I wouldn't say it's been a touchy subject because he is very open to learning about it. He's also a drug recognition expert. Um, So he has a lot of knowledge on all kinds of different drugs and alcohol. Um, And he just recently asked me to speak, which I am dreading because this isn't so bad for me because nobody has to like look at me (laughs) Um, but he asked me to speak at a conference that is uh, mainly filled with law enforcement to talk about the program and to talk about um, the effects of of cannabis oh no I'm totally gonna do it I have to to. (laughs) I, I have to and and I will have our chief medical officer there. She's fantastic. Um, I'll have her there for more of the really medically driven questions uh, just because she is so, so well-versed in in cannabis and medicine. So, um, but I mean, I could talk all day about the program and, and all that stuff. So it's, it's nice. He, I know that he may not agree with all of it, but he respects me and and what we're doing enough that he wants, you know, he's seeking out more education for for law enforcement, and that's really that's huge, that's really huge. nice. <laughs> it is huge. That's awesome, and it's cool that he trusts you in that role to do that. That's really neat. Yeah, yeah, it made me. I was like, oh wow. I, I didn't, yeah this is happening I have until October to prepare so okay. uh I'm I'm gonna start talking to myself in front of the mirror or something soon I don't know that's okay you did like a bikini competition and stuff you got this. oh my god oh I was hoping you weren't gonna bring that up <laughs> I can edit it out but you looked amazing oh no 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 it's no it's fine I get not embarrassed but like I don't know it was such a it was such a short little blurb of my life but no I'm I'm totally proud of it because I I it was in the best shape of my life um but I have a very addictive personality and uh I became probably (laughs) (laughs) um you know I've you know I've had my my things with drugs and alcohol in my past and um you know I went I went through a divorce and I probably you know when my kids were with their dad I was out you know probably almost every night that they were with their dad for a short period of time and I was like okay I can't do this anymore this is not healthy so I did like a complete 180 and I was like okay I'm going to stop drinking alcohol completely. I'm going to um, weigh all of my food and track all of it. And I'm going to work out six to seven days a week for two hours every day. 
You like just decided so, you just went for it. Yeah, I mean, I went. Yeah, I had been working out, and you know, I was trying to stay healthy, and I had friends that were really into fitness, and so it was like a good. I was like, oh, this is good. You know, it's it's a good thing for me. And then I became a little probably obsessive with it. Um. <laughs> So once I did the competition, I was like, I don't think this is for me. It was really fun. And I placed decently well for my first, for it being the first time doing it. Um, but I was like, I don't think this is for me. Like it's, it's just a little too much. I can't, it, it felt too restrictive and you know, I was bringing my kids to go get frozen yogurt and just like watching them eat it. And I was yeah. like, this isn't fun. This is, yeah, I this isn't it. fun for them. This isn't fun for me. So I'm at a good place now <laughs> where oh, so I'm, I'm kind of right in between, you know, I, oh. I definitely don't have that body anymore, but that's okay. <laughs> oh, that's, that's cool though. But like a bucket list item, you know what I mean? Like you've done it, you, and now you know what you want and don't want. And I think that's so cool. Yeah. yeah and it was fun. And I, I totally met really cool people, uh, that, that I competed with and yeah, it was, it was an experience. It was, uh, yeah, <laughs> I look at pictures and I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I did that. <laughs> so cool though that like you'll have those your kids will get to see those like that's so neat I love that yeah oh and they were so proud of me and gosh this was probably like I don't know how many years ago now almost three I think and oh my gosh they were so excited because I got one of those one of those like plastic cheap trophies that you get when you place and it's like this bronze like woman with a tiny bikini on and they like my youngest Everett he just carried it around the house and wearing the medal that I got to around his neck and he was like carrying it around the house like he was so proud oh my god I love that so much so that made me feel pretty good but I think they're probably happier now with a mom that doesn't go to the gym so much all the time I still go to the gym just not every day for two hours yeah well you did it you know I did I did it it was it was something I did in my life no I think that's so cool and I love that your kids celebrate you like that that makes me excited like as a like as a mom though like your chest just pops up like hell yeah yeah oh yeah I was it was you know it really it showed me that when I want when I put my mind to something that I really wanted to do that nothing was going to stop me because man over that time it was like it fell over my birthday and and some holidays and it's like you don't realize how many times you're like oh you know it's just a birthday we'll go out or we'll do this and I was going out with I was going out with friends to the bars and not drinking and that was like a totally different experience (laughs) being completely sober and and oh gosh there was a couple there was 
there were some times that I was like, oh, wow, I really hope this is not what I'm like, but I probably am. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, like, you have to go through stuff like that to, like, change your behavior, you know? Like, that's just what happens. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I will say, too, ever since I started using cannabis, I mean, like, I barely drink anymore at all just because I don't, you know, I don't feel like I need it to relax at the end of the day or, you know, I drink socially and I'll go out to brunch and have mimosas and stuff. But um, I know I used to use alcohol is like oh I'm gonna have a couple glasses of wine to unwind at night and now I'm just like oh you know if I feel like having something I will but typically I'm like well I'm gonna take my uh tangerine oil suspension and I'm gonna sleep like a baby so (laughs) yeah it's hard I I feel like that's the norm you know like once you start using cannabis medicinally don't really want to drink you're like what's the point I don't want to feel like crap the next day I don't want to risk a headache exactly and then when you do want to have a drink you have one and like one's enough and you're like okay cool thanks. oh yeah move on yeah exactly I have like one if I have two glasses of wine now I'm like buzzed yeah oh, <laughs> I'm <thanks>. like ooh. <laughs> I'm gonna, it's eight, oh it's eight o'clock I need to go to bed now because I'm kind of buzzed up from two glasses of wine but <laughs> No, yeah, I, I have, I have, uh, I, I think starting cannabis too has, and not drinking as much probably. Not that I was really drinking a whole lot, but I know all those calories add up really fast, yeah. and I was not having a hard time maintaining my weight, but it was like fluctuating so much. And ever since starting cannabis, I feel like. I don't, my, like, I'm at a steady, healthy weight. I don't. No, we were just saying how, like, your weight kind of just, like, plateaus off, like, once you start using cannabis. Mm Mm-hmm. And you just maintain, and you're healthy, and you're good. You don't gain, you don't lose, and whatever you do, it's within, like, a few pounds of itself, you know? Yep. Yeah, exactly. Like, I went on, I just got back from Mexico a week ago, and obviously, that was the only bad thing about going to Mexico, obviously, is that I couldn't bring my cannabis with me. And I was really anxious about it, which is bad because I couldn't have my cannabis, so not make yeah. me anxious. <laughs> um, and um, I mean, some people will fly and travel with theirs, and that's up to them. It's not supposed to go over state lines blah 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 blah. um but I I was like I'm not risking it and going to like a Mexican jail or something so but I I found that and my anxiety was not much there because it was relaxation the whole time with no kids so (laughs) there wasn't much anxiety to be had but but I for the first few nights I mean, I use cannabis every night to sleep and I'm a total THC lightweight. So I'm one of those people that, um, and I don't really use flowers ever. Um, but 
I would say I probably like if I did I could I would probably be one of those people that could take like one or two hits off of a joint and be like done um so I like six it's a what I take is equivalent to six milligrams of THC at night and I like sleep so good because I used to have a lot of trouble sleeping um I could fall asleep fine but I was I'd be up at like two o'clock and be up for an hour, fall back sleep. You know, I was just up and down and never felt rested, which made me super crabby and irritable. And my anxiety made my anxiety even worse. Uh, so the first few nights there, I had a lot of trouble. Like I didn't sleep much at all. <laughs> so I was super excited to come back home so I could have my cannabis back <laughs> yeah, no I hear you we were talking about going I to sl- Australia and I'm like what am I gonna do like that's like three weeks <laughs> I'm like oh my, oh gosh. my gosh yeah that's a long time they're just gonna like throw me out of the plate on the way back like <laughs> um, right I'm sure know. you could find something there <laughs> so funny we were talking about it today actually because my um my husband my brother-in-law uh he's a cop <laughs> so, okay yeah you know, of like, course oh, you don't know how they feel about it because like no one said anything but they know what I do just really funny. yeah like, this unknown territory of like what's going to happen because is it legal in Australia we were talking about that too I didn't know like a hundred percent I think it is in like certain parts okay but I don't know because- like the rule recreational medical I have no idea yeah uh that's that's rough I mean you it it sounds like you find a way to get cannabis in a very conservative state so I feel like you're pretty resourceful you could probably find find your way over there (laughs) yeah it's just hard but it's one of those too like I think of just being on the plane you know just all that stuff for so long and yeah I'm not doing edibles anymore after the other weekend good grief <laughs> oh no really I that, thought that I had experience a, it was horrible Megan it was horrible oh no yeah I had always heard that I'd have a bad brownie trip I'd never <laughs> I'd always be like no I have a high tolerance for edibles I'm good no I do not I- there was a time okay so this is when I stopped smoking I don't remember exactly it was in high school at some point I smoked out of like a four foot bong and of course I was trying to be cool and like fill the whole thing up and then inhale all of it and I was like immediately regretted it obviously and I got so sick and oh, yeah. I think that's when I stopped smoking because I was like terrified that that was ever gonna happen again. Yeah. And so I really, I have not had a bad edible experience, and but it does scare me yeah. <laughs> because I don't ever want that to happen. Yeah, I like I said, I never thought it would, and it did, and it was like holy shit. <laughs> I, don't, I just don't want to ever do that again. 
Yeah, so now I'm scared. That is so surprising because you're so you're so well educated in in all of right. that. So it must have just been like a fluke thing. I don't know. Got all these like no. crazy like Hannah moms who have really good recipes for stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you start doing what they say, and the next thing you know, you're like on another planet. Don't know. Oh gosh, yeah, that. That ter- I've seen some of those like can the can of butter ones and I'm like yeah, that's exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> I I wanted I want to make it, but I'm like I'm afraid I'm afraid I'm a little yeah. afraid that that'll happen to me and then I'll be scared away from cannabis. But I mean I don't think that would ever happen. But you hear about people like Just oh you're slow. supposed to take one you're supposed to eat one bar of chocolate or one little square of chocolate and then they eat the whole thing and you're like well no shit that you had a bad you had a bad time because you shouldn't have done that yeah but oh my god (laughs) i'm like stressed out just even thinking about it yeah i'm i'm sorry you had that experience hopefully that doesn't happen again right yeah no did you did you just oh. throw the rest away or what? No, 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 no. I was like, well, I'll try a smaller piece <laughs> next time. <laughs> and then I was good. Then I was good. Oh, but my gosh. One of those, like, oh, my gosh, I really had to, like, look at myself. Like, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> but Well, I, did you have some CBD on hand? I know that know, can help, but. Yeah, yeah, it helps bring it down. Yeah, I always have CBD on hand, but it was one of those where I wasn't home. <laughs> It was just a nightmare. Oh, no. Oh, my God. So, That's yeah. even worse. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well. We talked about it on the Galentine's Day episode, and it was just, it was so bad. And we tried to record. Oh, my gosh. And then the whole thing got deleted, and it was just, it was hysterical. <gasps> oh, no. Yeah, it was funny and terrifying, like, all at once. <laughs> <laughs> See, this is the one reason not one reason there's many reasons but one of the big reasons why I do love the whole medical dosed out aspect of it because I agree with you because I can't really mess it up at all you know if I take three mils I'm getting you know pretty damn close to six milligrams of THC yeah and if you know if I really feel like getting crazy, I might take four. <laughs> right. Yeah. But, but for me, it just puts me, puts me to sleep. I mean, and I, uh, I use the, our cobalt, which is a CBD, CBD dominant strain. Uh, I use the cobalt vape. And I pretty much use it like every morning on my way to work. And then I usually use it because we are not allowed to use product on um, on our manufacturing facility site, like on the property at all. Okay. That, that's, a, that's a state mandate too. So I have to wait until I'm completely off of the property and then I usually get it back out after I leave. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Stick around in your purse and get ready. <laughs> yep, yep, exactly. Think that's that's really yeah. Oh my gosh. I wonder why they do I mean um, that makes sense why you can't so And I'm I am a little tempted because um 
the the cannabis oil that we or the, the oral suspension that I use is um, just 100% uh, cannabis oil and MCT oil. So okay. I totally could like bake with it and make stuff, but I've been too scared to do it yet. No, it's so maybe hard. maybe I'll have to try it soon and and see what happens. Just like I said, start small. But I would do okay. as, far as, yeah, as far as like I wish it was dosed out, but that's what happens when you aren't in a place where you can go to a responsible place to get it. You're just left to your own devices and Pinterest. Yeah. And, and I've I just yeah. read it's not safe. <laughs> and I've just read like so many things and you know, seen some of the documentaries about the just the dis the dis- discrepancy in uh products especially edibles like in Colorado you know Mm -hmm. that they it will say it has 50 milligrams or 100 milligrams and then they take it to a lab and test it and it has like the whole chocolate bar or whatever has like three milligrams of THC in it and I'm like and then on the other side of it then it'll or it'll have way more than it's than it says it did and I'm like that's why people have a bad time yeah or (laughs) because right so that is one of the things I really like about the way we do it here because people you know if you if you do take too much so if I took like five mils of something and I it made me not feel good or whatever then we just tell patients okay just back down a little bit you know take four mils see how that makes you feel until people find the spot that gives them comfort or relief or you know whatever kind of goal they're looking for and that you know and then stay there until you maybe build a little bit of a tolerance and you need to increase so I do like that aspect of it a lot yeah I'm wish that there was something like that here just it's so it's so relatable because that's what they do like I'm thinking of like my daughter with her epilepsy medicine like mm-hmm. it's no different than them trying that type of medication out you start at a certain amount and you move up a little bit or you move back down you know and it's just yeah wish you had the plant-based option yep and I, I was reading it I think you mentioned it too earlier just about how like insurance doesn't cover Mhm. Do you think that will ever change? Oh gosh, you know I don't no, think question, it. But. <laughs> so I do. I don't think it will change until we see some type of federal change in in cannabis being legal. Yeah. Um. I just think it's so it's so taboo for companies like that to even think about being involved or paying out on stuff like this because I mean we as a cannabis company um you know whenever we start to involve ourselves with any kind of company doing anything mm-hmm. we don't always blatantly say we're a cannabis company because 
we were dropped from our uh, we were dropped from our 401k plans. We were dropped from our payroll program um, all within like two weeks of each other. And we had, I think, less than 30 days to find new stuff. So I don't think those insurance companies want that, that liability until it's federally legal. So, and I think that's kind of far off, unfortunately. Oh, yeah. I know, I, I'm with you on that one. <laughs> um, we do, we have had quite a few people have success with uh, workers' comp claims, which really? has been really nice. So people that have been hurt on the job and were taking, you know, copious amounts of opioids, uh, they have, they've gotten approved to get their medical cannabis paid, reimbursed and paid for instead of their opioids because they're finding that it's actually less expensive for them to pay for the cannabis than it was for, you know, the fentanyl and oxycodone and all that stuff but unfortunately it's all out of pocket for people right now which can be it can be hard financially for some people so that's that's always tough and that's the thing when something's so new and trying to get it to work like what does pricing look like what is ideal pricing for like who knows like it's yet to be discovered right and and it's that's one of you know that's one of the hardest things for us as a company because we because we are so heavily regulated there's so many things that we have to do that people don't see and don't understand um so you know they see what we're charging and they come to the care center and you know some of these people you know some people I don't blame them because they just don't they they can't see all of it they can't see all the things that we have to do and how much it costs to to run a facility and pay all the people that have to you know that we need to make sure that all of this medicine gets made and available to them. But people, you know, people are not happy about the pricing. And some people, some people don't care. They're like, I would pay a million dollars for this because it has helped me so much. Um, But a lot of people want to compare it to rec states, especially rec states like California that had you know, were overproducing and had to had to essentially burn a bunch of product because they couldn't use it. Um, Obviously, when there's an oversaturation of product, it's going to drive the price down and we have a a huge demand and a, a heavily regulated state. So it's hard. It you know, we, yeah, I mean, we, we have to make money to survive and to be able to keep making the medicine. But, um, I mean, obviously our goal eventually is to make it more affordable for more people. So 
that's going to come with time. I mean, that's what it yeah. Is. What do they talk big picture goals of what they want to see flying labs look like? I'm, can you can you say that again? I'm sorry. I don't know what is going on with mine. <laughs> no, it's okay. <laughs> um, no, I was just saying, do, does Leafline talk about big picture goals of like what they want to see their role in the cannabis industry as? Or? Um, you know, there's, there's so many moving parts right now. There's yeah. so many other states that are... Uh, becoming legal medically. Um, we've had a lot of people that have come in and wanted to look at us and try to kind of model what we're doing. Um, so, you know, helping consult with some of those kinds of things. I mean, big picture where you know, once it is adult use rec, um, we'll probably have a separate you know, adult use rec uh, company that, you know, we're, we still work together, but um, it, it most likely won't have the same name um, just because we, we would want to keep Leafline Labs as our medical, um, yeah, but, you know, we're really kind of starting just now to really delve into what we want that big picture to look like because there is promise of of adult use on the horizon and in, in the future so there's there's a lot of of talking right now on yeah. on what our plan is and and how we want to move forward with that so the there's thing. been like, a lot of strategical <laughs> Yeah. 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 Nobody's done it before. You know, we're all, we're all trying to figure out what, what the best thing to do is and looking at other companies that have, have done this before and have been successful. So we just want to make sure that we are sticking around for a long time. Yeah. Well, it sounds like Because I... I honestly couldn't, I don't know now what I would do <laughs> if yeah. I wasn't doing this yeah. um, because I feel like I would be so bored in doing anything else. So um, no, if that's your I'm mindset, that means you're doing exactly what you're supposed to do. That's so awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's just so funny. Like you come into these positions that you know you just don't ever know how they're going to turn out and it just couldn't have really turned out any better right for me than than it did so it's hilarious that you and I are even having a conversation about cannabis right now like that's what it does I know (laughs) I I know it's crazy like it just connects you with so many people you just you know I have people ask me questions any you know when I post something about it and it's always a good topic of conversation on vacation Casey yeah. always laughs every time somebody's like oh what do you do and he's like oh here we go <laughs> but he's super proud of me and like very much is uh supportive of everything I do so that's been very helpful too 
Yeah, oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, how is how is your mom with everything? What did what do your parents think? I'm always curious. Um, my mom is, you know, she didn't she didn't know anything and I think she just was uncomfortable asking questions about it at first. Yeah. Um and my grandma, um, my mom's mom, she has had had uh, really bad arthritis and really bad anxiety. And I was like, you know, I know that this is really different and, you know, I'm not going to push it, but I think this could be really beneficial for, for grandma. And, um, you know, it didn't, nothing really came of it. And then a uh oh gosh I don't even know how long ago now like six months ago my mom and my uncle came to me and they're like okay we think it's time for her to try it and I was like okay this is exciting and so you know then there was a lot of questions and how does it work and you know how do we know this is gonna um help and I'm like well we don't you know you it's it's just like a, a pharmaceutical medication where and you you try it and it might work for you and it might not and yeah. we really just hope that you're one of the people that it works for and so she got on the program um and unfortunately her health declined really quickly like very shortly after she started taking it yeah. and we found out that she had cancer um so um, and she actually did pass away a couple of weeks ago, but, um, so she didn't get to experience, um, you know, the, the benefits of it because she just was, was too sick at that point. Yeah. But I think it did kind of open up everybody's eyes a little bit to that it can, that it could be beneficial because she was, you know, when she was feeling well enough and she was taking it she was feeling better she didn't have as much anxiety she was sleeping better but unfortunately that you know she got too sick and then she kind of stopped taking it so that makes you want to keep going too because you mm -hmm. to open up people's you know eyes that there is something to it for sure mm -hmm. yeah and actually one of the conferences that we are uh speaking at in April is about is for hospice and palliative care. Um, so we've seen a lot of people, you know, with terminal illness and, uh, you know, stage four cancer that they're in a lot of pain towards the end. And, you know, this isn't going to cure them, obviously, but it at least a lot of these families are telling us that they were, they were awake and coherent, but they weren't in pain, you know, their last, their last days, so that they could actually be present with their family, instead of being, you know, completely out of it on morphine or, in, or whatever they're giving them, so. Like, that's what you hope for, you know, <laughs> like, I just. Yeah, exactly. I'm glad that your family is supported and that you've got a good around you that's awesome it sounds like work life and home life is just in balance and going good for you I'm happy for you yeah thank you it has it has been having this 
job has just been a complete game changer, I think, for my whole life. So, um, because not only is it a great company to work for because of what I feel like we we do, but um, I mean, the culture of the people I was telling you about and our CEO is so fantastic. He believes that family is super important. So, um, you know, when I have to, if I leave in the middle of the day to go read to my kid's class, he's like, oh, that's fantastic. You know, cause he knows that I'm gonna get my work done, but that it's also important to do those kinds of things too. So it's just been really great. <laughs> oh, that makes all the difference in the world, for sure. It really does. Life all the way around. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So much for coming on and talking with me about yeah. it. Yeah. I want to. Oh my gosh! Thank you so much. Yeah. Do you want? And I've oh, honestly learned so much from you too since following, you know, following you and asking you questions and um i've i've been able to connect and find other awesome women in the cannabis industry on social media which has been super nice so it's been great yeah no i'm so glad you want to stick around and do the top 10 questions with me or do you have to go oh my gosh sure okay cool Let's oh my it. gosh. Well, now I'm a little nervous. <laughs> no, don't That's be nervous. Questions. <laughs> no, it's all good. It is all good. We'll start with number one. What is your favorite okay. word? Oh my gosh. Oh, my favorite word. I, I think I need to pass on that one. I don't know. I don't okay. think I have a favorite word. There's not like one word that like this happy when you hear it or anything like that people don't i just don't I'll, if i think of it i'll 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 tell you <laughs> okay do you have a least favorite word um least favorite word i'm i'm not like most people i don't mind the word moist <laughs> I love actually. I I love saying it because my sister hates it so much. I hate it too. Like the. Ugh, um, I don't have a word that I hate. I really don't. I'm I'm so boring right now. That's okay. <laughs> what turns you on creatively, spiritually, or emotionally? Um, oh gosh, I guess just being around and having good conversation with like-minded people, um, when I can talk to people super openly, it just makes me feel so much more myself and creative, um, yeah good connection for sure I agree with that what turns you off uh probably super judgmental people um people that people that are unwilling to 
learn, I think, is a big turnoff for me. Is your favorite curse word? What's my favorite curse word? Uh, probably fuck. <laughs> it just feels really good to say it sometimes. And I try not to say it in front of my kids. <laughs> um but it slips out every once in a while yeah you're human it's it's okay yeah <laughs> oh that's funny what sound or noise do you love oh gosh I love the sound of my kids laughing like not at me but uh like when they're playing in our basement and I'm up in the kitchen, like cooking dinner or something, and I just hear them like belly laughing at each other. I love that. <laughs> yes, that is my absolute favorite sound. Your kids laughing, not at anything silly. Just oh gosh, because it's just like uh, it, I could be having the worst night ever, the worst day, and. I can't, like, you can't help but, like, smile and laugh, and you're laughing, and you don't know, even know what they're laughing about. Like, they could have just broken the TV, and they're laughing, but right. I just, you can't even help but no, smile and, and chuckle. Like, each other, and that you did that. <laughs> At least for me, that's the way I take it. Yeah, and, and, and probably the other one that's, like, a tie with that is my youngest, Everett. He is very vocally affectionate and so he like we say I love you and we're a very affectionate household and every single night I tuck him in and I say I love you and he says I love you more mom and every time it's like I he he could say it a million times for the rest of his life and I would still be like oh fair enough yeah so good <laughs> every time Oh, that's awesome. That makes my heart so happy. Oh, that's great. Yes, I love it. <laughs> Put it right. That's awesome. What sound or noise do you hate? Oh, gosh. Um, uh, I mean, other than my kids fighting with each other. <laughs> um. I probably hate the sound of like my phone going off in the middle of the night when my kids are with their dad because I always think that it's something bad. Yeah. And it's usually just some stupid email that I need to unsubscribe from. But it's like the first thing that comes to my mind, like, oh my God, what what's wrong? Yeah. That instant yeah. What profession other than your own would you like to attempt? If I could do anything else, it would probably be to be like some part of a animal rescue. Okay. Um I love I love any animal. It doesn't matter. It probably if I could if I could have like my own farm with like fifty dog rescue dogs on it, I totally would. But that's not a place I'm at in life 
quite yet. <laughs> but if if I could be like part of a dog rescue or run and own one, that would be that would be pretty awesome. Yeah. Were you always like that? Were you always an animal lover? Yeah, I grew up in a household where we always had two dogs, like we had birds, we had fish tanks. At one point, I had a salamander, and we had ducks, like living in Oakdale, who has ducks. (laughs) Um, And yeah, I mean, since, since I can remember being a kid, I've always had two dogs, so... We we had our one dog for a while, and when we moved into our, our house instead of an apartment, I had another dog within two months, so. Oh, really? Oh, that's <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was, like, looking up dogs and sending pictures to him every day, and he was finally like, okay, fine. <laughs> we can get another dog. Uh, what are your dog's names? Um, Oliver is our three-legged guy, and then we have Murphy. He is a little Chihuahua Dachshund. Always animals. Do you have any other animals other than the dogs right now? No. um, When we were in Mexico, there were all of these, like, cats that live on the resort apparently and they were so cute and it made me for a little while think about wanting to get a cat but I think two dogs is enough with how busy our lives are right now (laughs) oh my gosh wish list though like if you had your farm of dogs like it would be just all oh yeah um I'd probably just rescue anything that needed to be rescued honestly (laughs) it doesn't I'm I'm like I'm one of those people that follows like five different rescue dog rescues on Facebook and so like my whole feed is filled with all these dogs that need fostering and to be adopted and I'm such a sucker I would just be like adopting all of them if I could (laughs) daughter's wired that way that's good we need people like that <laughs> and love anything like that I love it yeah there <laughs> I wish I was I mean I love animals and I would never wish anything ill and eh, I don't need them in my house <laughs> yeah I mean there's so much work they really uh, are and don't get me wrong they totally drive me nuts sometimes like the little one is cannot get enough attention like he is probably super pissed right now that I am upstairs and closed the door on him like he is he's gonna be real mad when I go back downstairs (laughs) but what was that pout about it or does he like act out and like do something bad when he's mad oh he'll just he will just be like on me for the rest of the night Super and trying to like lick my face yeah. all the rest of the night but he'll be he'll be fine he'll get lost 11 once I when I go back downstairs and he'll be fine <laughs> that's sweet our dog's a nightmare he does that too like <laughs> <laughs> I 
80 pounds is just too much. Yeah, Murphy is only like 18 pounds, so he's he's tolerable in that sense. Yeah, we've got an 80 pound two year old that likes to just like bolt down the stairs and then just like go. Oh my gosh! To you and just like knock the wind out of you. It's a lot of fun. Oh yeah, he he doesn't he he thinks he's small, but he's not. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Okay, I'm sorry, I got off track. Um, what, oh, okay. <laughs> what profession would you not like to do? Ooh. Huh. Well, I guess speaking from experience, I don't think I would ever want to be like an accountant <laughs> because I did that for a while and it was so boring. Um, and I like num I like numbers, like I'm a very analytical person, but sitting in front of a computer all day, every day just seems so terrible to me. Yeah. No, you're called to do more for sure. And then lastly, um, if heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Ooh. I guess I would just like him to say, like, you did good. Yeah. Come on in. Come on in. You did good. <laughs> Here's your bait pen. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> you won't even need it anymore, right? Oh. Yeah. And I got, you know, obviously I would hope that everybody that has, has passed, passed on, especially my grandma, because it was so recent, would be would be standing there too, so. Yeah. Well, thank you for spending your evening with me chatting and bringing me up. Yes, it has been awesome. Doing. Oh my gosh. And I'm, I'm so thankful that, like I said, I wasn't just joking when I was referencing that my daughter was like you about the animals. Like, we need people <laughs> that, you know, care about others and the healers and it's, so apparent that that's the type of person that you are through this whole dialogue that we just had so thank you so much for coming on and thank you talking with me I really really appreciated it yes it was so much fun and you definitely put me at ease (laughs) because I was I was telling Casey before you know before we talked I'm like I just don't feel like I'm that interesting so I don't really know what I'm going to talk about so and he's like you're and he's so great he's like you are interesting and what you do is interesting and you're gonna be great and I was like okay (laughs) yes no you need hype people like that in your life that's awesome yeah I love it oh yeah he is he's he's my hype man for sure so awesome I'm so happy for you I really am yes Thank you. I'm excited to keep in contact with you too and keep talking about all kinds of stuff. Yeah, we'll have to, anytime you want to come out and talk about stuff non-work related, you're more than welcome to. I just didn't want to. Okay. <laughs> you didn't want to. Um, no, yeah, I I'm will. So I'm happy to talk about anything. So. And I'm super happy for you because this podcast is seems to be super successful and all of them that I've listened to so far have been so, so great. Oh, thank you.
thank you very much. I get in my head about it all the time. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. So that's really refreshing to hear. So thank you. No, it's it's been super great. And I and I tell everyone at work about it. So oh, now they God. have to listen. Now they have to listen to me talk. So yes. Oh my gosh. If I'm in Minnesota, I'm definitely gonna be like swinging by and checking it out. That's for sure. Yes. You will get you'll get the VIP tour for sure. I would love that. I would love that. Well, I will yeah. be in touch. And if there's anything that I can do to support okay. you or Leafline or anything like that, please let me know. Awesome. Um, I, would, I would love to help in any way possible. Awesome. Thank you so much. All right. We'll talk soon. Thanks, girl. I appreciate it. Sounds good. Thanks, Cal. Bye. Bye. If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to subscribe. For more content, follow along at havetheconvo.podcast on Instagram or email me at havetheconvo at gmail.com to share your story. Till next time.